pray. As we approach the word, we stand in need of God's blessing upon that word, so let's ask him for that, shall we? Our Father in heaven, we are thankful for your word and for the simple ministry of its preaching that you have ordained. And so we ask, Father, that even as your word came in the beginning and said, let there be light, and there was light, that so too now, not in a work of creation, but in a work of recreation, that that same word spoken, O God, and empowered by your Holy Spirit, would indeed bring light, life, and order to our lives through Jesus Christ our Lord. So we ask these things, Father, praying that you would open our hearts, open our minds, and transform our lives, we pray, through faith in Jesus Christ and by the working and power of your Holy Spirit, and that you would do so in this hour as we have but empty hands, O Lord, asking that you would fill them with your blessing, even as you know we stand in need of such. For Jesus' sake we ask it. Amen. Well, let's turn to John chapter 6, and we'll read a little bit there, verses 41 to 51. The sermon was preached originally at Cornerstone back in January, and it was sort of uh, anticipating the Lord's Supper, which at that point for us was still a few weeks away. And I spoke with Reverend DeRoy back and forth to classes this past week, and he said you have the Lord's Supper, if I remember correctly, coming up on Good Friday. So that's less than two weeks away. So I thought this would be maybe an appropriate sermon to bring as sort of a, a preparatory sermon for the Lord's Supper as you look by God's grace and in his providence to eat and drink together in remembrance of Christ on Good Friday. This maybe can be part of what would help the congregation prepare for that. So here it is, John chapter 6. We'll read verses 41 to 51. But our passage is just going to be verse 48. I am the bread of life. That's what Jesus says. So beginning in verse 41 and reading down to verse 50, through verse 51, it says, So the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, Whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. So there it is. A little bit here in John chapter 6, verses 41 to 51. 
Well, let's pray, shall we? Father, again, we thank you for your word and pray now as we look to hear the same in its preaching that you would indeed go ahead of us and give us what we stand in need of in this hour for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, do you remember back in the day, or maybe boys and girls currently in school, you learn about something called a staple? right? Not the, not the metal strips that have the little prongs folded over that fasten things together. Not that kind of a staple, but a staple in terms of commodities like rice or potatoes or fruits and vegetables or cuts of meat or bread. right? Those food things that people all over the world use, need, depend upon, and literally can't live without because they're essential, right? Well, people in the ancient world, they knew about those kind of staples too, didn't they? Of course they did, right? So boys and girls, young people, when Jesus calls himself the bread of life, he's picking up on a familiar concept that his hearers would have known and understood. But he's also hearkening back to the Old Testament, where God provided manna for his people. Think of Exodus chapter 16 or Numbers chapter 11. So on the one hand, by saying, I am the bread of life, Jesus makes a, a, a social or, or cultural connection with his hearers, kind of an, an illustration, if you will. But on the other hand, more particularly, there's a, a biblical and theological connection that Jesus makes as well, which is gospel promise in calling himself the bread of life. So both are important. The illustration of the language and the gospel promise of the language, both are important. And in John chapter 6, we have here what's often referred to as Jesus' bread of life sermon. Maybe you've heard it called that before. If you look down at verse 66, we didn't quite read that far. But if you look at verse 66, after he says all these things, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So one pastor has called this Jesus' church shrinkage seminar. But in any case, if you look at verses 22 to 71, kind of the the longer part of the chapter, if you just sort of survey things there for a minute or two, you can see that Jesus touches on a wide variety of profound doctrines as he delivers this bread of life sermon, especially in verses 52 to 59, which is the next paragraph following the one that we read which probably accounts for what we have in verse 66, where Jesus talks about eating his flesh and drinking his blood, admittedly hard sayings, so to speak. And certainly a whole series of sermons could be preached here in John chapter 6 in this Bread of Life discourse, but our aim will be considerably more modest. We'll zoom in on verse 48, like I mentioned, I am the bread of life, but we'll, we'll keep the, the context of the whole sermon in view, and, and we'll explore that little phrase in verse 48 more particularly. And I'm going, to, I'm going to presume a few things this morning in the preaching. I'm going to presume that all of us are sinners. I'm going to presume, because of that, that all of us, need to believe in Jesus and have him as our Savior, like the title says, it's all about Jesus. I'm going to presume that some of us, maybe many of us, truly believe in and belong to Jesus Christ by faith and participate fully in all of the benefits of what that means. 
But I'm also going to presume that maybe some of us, maybe only a few, who knows. But I'm going to presume that maybe some of us have yet to come to real faith in Jesus Christ and receive Him as Lord and Savior in the fullest and most significant sense of what that means. And I'm going to presume that no matter what, the gospel is in fact good news to us and good news for us. So if we keep some of that in mind, don't forget as you hear these things to believe in Jesus, as you hear the significance of his words, I am the bread of life. And as you believe in Jesus and belong to him by faith, have the comfort and the assurance that the gospel provides. And as you stand on that firm foundation of Jesus Christ, walk in the newness of life that God has given to you in his name as the week unfolds, Sunday through Saturday. So let's keep some of that in mind. You can see the theme and points if you have the bulletin there. As the bread of life, Jesus is all we need. And from this I am saying, we learn at least two things. That the feast for us is in Jesus. And we also learn that the focus for us is on Jesus. So look at the, the prepositions in those two points, right? The feast for us is in Jesus. And then the focus for us is on Jesus. So, as things open up, and we learn that the feast for us is in Jesus, verse 48 is short and to the point, right? I am the bread of life. And as the bread of life congregation, Jesus sustains us in the full measure of everlasting life, doesn't he? And guess what? That's the deepest and, and greatest need that we have, right? I mean, soon enough, this life will be over. As someone has said, soon this life will be past, and only those who belong to Christ will last. Maybe you remember back in 2004, John Piper wrote a, a little book it was called Don't Waste Your Life. Do you remember that book? Either way, if you remember it or not, think about this question. What, what would be more wasteful of your life than never to have been sustained by Jesus? To never come into the possession of eternal life as a gift of His grace. To never like Psalm 34 puts it, to never taste and see that the Lord Jesus is indeed good. I mean, there are so many things, even good things, so many things in this life that compete for our attention, aren't there? And all of those things, even if they are good things that we need and use and acknowledge in God's providence as coming to us, those things, they, they threaten to obscure what matters most of all. Namely, our need for Jesus as the bread of life. And the Lord's Supper is a visible sign and seal of that very truth, isn't it? In fact, boys and girls, the Lord's Supper is given to us by Christ himself so that we might have no doubt that he is a faithful Savior to and for everyone who belongs to him. Everyone who calls on him in true faith, who bows before him in true repentance, and who casts all of their cares upon him, remembering that he cares for you. So here it is. 
Don't let the glitz and glamour of this life blind you, congregation. Don't fall for the, the empty promises of the world, which at best are only fool's gold. But rather, hear what Psalm 37 verse 5 says, right? Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He will bring it to pass for you. As the bread of life, it's not just that Jesus sustains us, but He supports us each day throughout the course of our life, doesn't He? And that's something that we have need of too. Because this life, and ourselves included, everything in this life is passing away. Like James chapter 4 reminds us, what is your life? It's like a vapor. right? It appears for just a little while, and then it vanishes away. And because of that, we need the bread of life, Jesus Christ, to uphold us. And then we come to see, like Paul mentions in Acts 17 in his preaching, that in Christ we do live and move and have our being. That he is the one, as the bread of life, like the Lord's Supper language that we're also familiar with, he feeds our souls unto everlasting life. The food and drink of our souls and of our hearts. We need strength to be given to us. Otherwise, we remain weak in and of ourselves, right? We need nourishment to be imparted to us spiritually. Otherwise, we fall. Otherwise, we fail. I mean, I'll prove it to you this way. But just think of it like this. Imagine if you went the next couple of days without eating any food. I'm not recommending that. But imagine if you went the next couple of days without eating any food. That would take a toll, wouldn't it? Your body would be weak. You probably would have dizzy spells and you would be disoriented without that food and that nourishment that your bodies need. Well, it's no different with the needs of our hearts, the needs of our souls. Christ, as the bread of life, is the one who supports us and gives us what we stand in need of for spiritual strength. Because when trials come, if you're anything like me, when trials come, the tendency is to be overcome with fear and with frustration. And when troubles arise, the tendency is to think that we're in it all alone and that God has maybe forgotten about us or is unconcerned with us. But here's the truth. In trials and in troubles, since God is a faithful Father and since He has given us Jesus who is the bread of life, in trials and in troubles, Jesus is there to support us. Because since He is the bread of life, For everyone who feeds on him in true faith, Jesus gives the full, true, daily, and spiritual supply of sustenance that we need. And that's not not a proverbial statement. But that's gospel promise, congregation. That's what the Lord's Supper says, and that's what the Lord's Supper shows. That Jesus is food and drink for the soul of of everyone who believes in and belongs to him unto everlasting life. So on Good Friday, when you eat and drink in remembrance of Christ, remember those things. And, and keep this in mind too. And we'll sort of wind down the, the first point this way. As the bread of life, it's not just he sustains us and he supports us, but, but Jesus satisfies us as well. He satisfies us in this life, And he satisfies us in the life to come as well. Like Augustine said, right? The church father from Hippo in North Africa. He said, our hearts are restless, O Lord, 
until they find their rest in you. That's the language of satisfaction in Jesus Christ, isn't it? So let me ask this. Have you received that rest and that satisfaction? In Christ, have you received what only He can give? Now, I'm not asking if you think you're a good Christian. I'm not asking if you've made public profession of faith. I'm not asking if you read the Bible regularly and study God's Word when you have opportunity to do that. I'm not asking if you're daily in your devotions and regular in meditating upon God's Word. Those are all good things. But what I'm asking is if you have partaken by faith in Jesus Christ and the feast that is there for you with a believing heart. Someone put it this way. Since Jesus is the bread of life, without him, you're toast. In other words, apart from the spiritual feast that's there for us in Christ, there is only a spiritual famine that anyone can ever have. So when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, congregation, By God's grace, hear those words with the ears of your heart. By God's grace, look on him with the eyes eyes of faith. And by God's grace, believe in Jesus and know without any doubt that he is the one who supports you, who sustains you, and who satisfies you now and forevermore. Because it really is all about Jesus And when you have the Lord's Supper on Good Friday, that's what you will see, that's what you will taste, and that's what will be on display as the congregation eats and drinks together in remembrance of him. As we continue, we learn also from this saying, I am the bread of life, that the focus for us is on Jesus, right? So so first things first then. Jesus is the true bread who has come down from heaven to us, and who has come down from heaven for us, right? Verse 32, for example, is specific about that. And in the big picture, here's something to remember. Jesus was both sent into this world by God the Father, and he came into this world willingly himself. And we have to keep both of those things in mind. Both aspects of our Lord's missionary work. One who was sent, but also one who came for us. And here's why. Because on the one hand, we learn thereby that our need for salvation, that was in God the Father's heart. So he sent Jesus to come for us. And on the other hand, we learn that Jesus himself had pity on us. So he descended from heaven's heights down to the muck and mire of this fallen world in order to redeem us and rescue us. So the backstory to John chapter 6, and we heard a little bit of it in, in the reading there in verses 41 to 51, but if you read the whole chapter, there's other little hints to, uh, of the backstory to John chapter 6. It's that Jesus is the manna that God has provided for us, 
And he's the manna that has come down from heaven as well. In other words, he's the substance of the Old Testament law, of the Old Testament prophets, of the Old Testament writings, and of every promise that God has ever given. And the language of the second point, right? The focus for us is on Jesus. That's the whole point, not just of of the sermon here in John chapter 6, although it is, but the language of the second point is the whole point of the whole Bible. That the focus for us is on Jesus. Think back to Luke chapter 24, where the, the disciples are on the road to Emmaus and Jesus appears to them. And then beginning with Moses and all of the prophets, he shows them in the Old Testament the things that pertained to himself. So the focus is on Jesus, but, but the focus must stay on Jesus as well, congregation. It must stay on Jesus. He's the one we believe in from the beginning. He's the one we believe in along the way. And he's the one we continue to believe in as our earthly life winds down. My flesh and my heart may fail, but Christ is the strength of my heart. And my portion forever, to turn a phrase there from Psalm 73 that we sang from earlier. And the reason for that is this. It's because it's Jesus who came down from heaven to save us. In other words, if we use missionary or military language, in his coming, Christ had a specific agenda. He had a particular mission, and it was to redeem all of God's elect, to save all of God's chosen children, to gather his church and to transform sinners into saints and make us living stones in that temple that he is building together according to the design and purpose of his Father in heaven. And so if I can say it like this, it wasn't for nothing that Christ came, is it? It wasn't a show. It wasn't simply a display. And it, wasn't, it definitely wasn't grandstanding. But there was a purpose. There was intentionality. And in the end, that's what the Lord's Supper has to say, isn't it? Not, not by way of superstition, as if the bread and wine are somehow magically transformed into the actual body and blood of Jesus Christ. But that's what the Lord's Supper has to say in its role as a sign and seal of the gospel promise just as Jesus ordained. And guess what? In having given us the Lord's Supper as a sign and seal of the gospel promise, Jesus is showing us that he wants us to be assured of that very fact, isn't he? Of course he is. And the Lord's Supper is proof of that. So don't ever let anyone tell you differently. As common and as ordinary as the Lord's Supper might seem for us, especially over the course of our whole life being so familiar with it, it always has that special place as a pointer and a reminder, an attestation and testimony that the gospel promise is faithful and true and that Jesus is the bread of life for everyone who believes in him. Those are his exact words, right? I am the bread of life. Look at verses 38 to 40. They remain true as well. I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, 
that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. And so here's the key. The gospel message never changes. Neither does this aspect of why the Lord's Supper was instituted. Because it continues to serve us well, just as Jesus has promised it would. So when Good Friday rolls around and the Lord's Supper is administered among you as a congregation, here's what I want you to believe. I want you to believe at that administration of the Lord's Supper that Jesus came to save you. Not just that he came to save sinners in general, but that he came to save you. In other words, when the Lord's Supper is administered, at all, at all times really, but particularly on those occasions, by God's grace, have a bold, Christ-centered faith in your heart. And you will be nourished and strengthened by the body and blood of Jesus Christ unto the fullness of everlasting life. And, and boys and girls, young people who may not yet partake of the Lord's Supper in actuality. If you're here in the congregation when the Lord's Supper is administered and you're not yet a communicant member and you don't yet partake of the bread and wine, you can still benefit from the Lord's Supper when it's administered. You can hear and pay attention when the form is read. You can hear Reverend DeRoy and his explanation in that form of the significance of what the bread and the wine are. You can see those elements distributed among the congregation, maybe even in some cases right next to you as an older sibling or a parent partakes right by your side. And in that way, without directly participating in the Lord's Supper, there can be yet an indirect participation and with a believing heart, God's blessing can be given and displayed in your life in that sort of a situation as well. So it's not irrelevant for the, the baptized members in a congregation to be present and to be attentive when the Lord's Supper is administered. But there are good things that God can do even in those situations. So maybe we'll kind of wind things down this way. Jesus came down from heaven to save us according to the will of his heavenly Father, right? So, the plan of salvation was God's idea. It's according to his decree. It's according to his counsel. And it's a work that he has planned. And it's a work that he has accomplished, Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Redemption accomplished and redemption applied according to what the Father had predetermined and appointed. And even that is something that Jesus touches on here in this Bread of Life sermon. I won't read the verses. If you look at verse 27, and if you look at verse 37, he says things that are in those categories. And what a joy, what a joy that is. How wonderful that salvation is God's own work. Because what the Lord's Supper is telling us in that connection is that God the Father is on our side in Christ. And if God is for us, like it says in Romans chapter 8, well then who can be against us? I mean, just think of it like this, boys and girls, young people, and all of us adults. 
in sending Christ to save us? God the Father, He gave the best and most precious gift that He had. His eternal and only begotten Son, the one with whom He has always been well pleased. And God the Father didn't do that on a whim. He didn't do that as plan B. That wasn't an afterthought. And he didn't send his son into this world in order to fix a mistake that he made. No, but God sent his son Jesus in wisdom. He sent his son Jesus in love. He sent his son to us as the bread of life that all of his chosen children might be fed and satisfied forever. So don't be intimidated by something like a hard saying in verse 44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Don't be intimidated by that and and walk away maybe in doubt, much less in disbelief. Like those mentioned in, in verse 66, right, who walked no longer with him. Others might do that, but not you. Not us. Because God has granted us his saving grace. Instead, see the simplicity and the beauty of the gospel promise that Jesus is, in fact, the gift of God freely provided for your salvation. Because he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever believes in me shall never die. May God make it so for each of us, and may he be glorified and praised in the saving of many souls, even here in Orange City, Iowa. Amen. Well, let's turn to number 407, and we'll sing the song, Guide Me, O Thou Great Jehovah.